180548, Marianne Hogan. Hi, this is Marianne Hogan. And this is Arlen Glick. Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? decided if I could, you know, finish a 50-miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 208 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. We have a great episode. We have the third place finishers of Western states, both the male and female, Arlen Glick and Marianne Hogan. You've heard from both of them in recently uh, released episodes. Genesis of this episode, sitting at the finish line, Arlen and Marianne just shooting it. And uh, really just enjoying how they went back and forth and thinking to myself, I should have just tried to record this all as a podcast. So I think it's, uh, it's fun to hear the similarities and differences from their experiences, both of which this was their first breakthrough big race. So I'll save the rest for the episode. Shout out to the show sponsors. Exoskin, if you haven't checked them out, very high quality. Um, I I always wear the toe socks during 13 mile or longer races. And then my day-to-day training are just the regular socks. So they have two options there, a bunch of different colors. Check out their website. And in the show links and show notes, I have a coupon code to get you a little bit extra off there. But Big shout out to them. They've been longtime supporters. Big shout out to Tannery Outdoors. As runners, we spend a lot of time outdoors in the sun. It's important that we're protecting our skin. Tannery offers clean sun care products like SPF lip balms, mineral sunscreen, and thereafter sun restorative moisturizer. Tannery just launched a new product, which is their traditional sunscreen. This leaves zero white cast and is similar to the mineral sunscreen in that it is sweat resistant and packaged from recycled materials. This is a great company, high quality products. Definitely check them out. Check out the show notes for a coupon code for Tannery Outdoors. Also, thank you to the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, their grit series. Check out the show notes again for a link to their races they are donating a lot of those proceeds to just a really important cause so check out john wayne cancer foundation their grit series so thank you to you patreon supporters and then specific to this episode knack who sponsored the film is going to throw in a coupon code if you want to check out their products 
That is Marianne Hogan's nutrition company that backed the entire filming of Western States. So big shout out to Knack. And again, coupon codes all in the show notes, as you guys know at this point. Get ready. It's a fun conversation with Marianne and Arlen. You guys are professionals. Thank you for joining me. I am super excited to have an episode with the both the male and female third place finishers of the Western States 100. I consider them both friends at this point. Guys, welcome to the Train for Ultra podcast. Yes, it's great to be on the show tonight. I mean, I've heard that I think you guys shared miles at, at some point in the past. You knew each other. Um, it was it was awesome to be sort of in the background with a camera at the finish line, seeing you guys, you know, happy for one another. Um, maybe I'll start with Arlen. Like, where did you guys meet initially? Like, you knew of each other, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, I think I don't. Yeah, I don't think anyone gets a golden ticket without mean at least noticing their name. And so when we were at the training camp. Somebody was like, oh, hey, that's Marianne Hogan. So I was like, hey, hi, how are you? And found out she was staying there for beyond the training camp as, as well as myself. So we, uh, I think, set it up the day after or two days after the training camp ended to go out for a run. Um, and so we went down uh, across No Hands Bridge and kind of that area and, and did a small training run. And, and then, yeah, met up, you know, at the race and and had a great time. And yeah, I was still at the finish line when she come through. So that was awesome to be there for that. Marianne, were you surprised to see him at the finish line? <laughs> yeah, I was actually really interested to know how he had done. Um, when we went running, I really appreciated Arlen's uh, uh, training methods. Um, I love that he does a lot of volume and he's just focused on volume, which is a lot of, of what I do. So um, I was actually really excited to see how how he had finished and really excited to know that he had also gotten third. So that's pretty cool. So again, it's amazing that both of you got third place in the most competitive ultra marathon in the U S at least. Um, I'll kick it off here with first question. Both of you guys are very close to your families and both your families played a big role in your race yeah, I, I just want to hear a little bit more about that. Maybe Marianne, you could start it off, but I, I don't think most people know how close you are to your family and and how much your family showed up for your race. <laughs> yeah, I was actually really lucky. Um, I have a family of six, so we're four kids and my parents, obviously, um, and the significant others also showed up. Um, so it was really, really nice to have everyone there and kind of um, have them see firsthand uh, what a an ultra looks like, especially an ultra uh, at the level of Western states. So um, it was really, really nice to have them there and be and have them be so enthusiastic throughout the whole process. Um, so it was really cool to see them at all of the aid stations and to share uh, the finish line with them. Um, that was very, very special to me. And I'm really glad that they were able to be there. Yeah, that's great. Um, I guess I'll kick it off. I come from a family of nine children, so we did not all come out to the race. <laughs> I, I think Ohio small fortune taken, with flights. Yeah, <laughs> Ohio would have taken a, a pretty bad hit, and you probably wouldn't be able to catch a flight into into Sacramento if we had all pulled our stakes and went out there. But yeah, my parents and two of my sisters flew out with me, and then. 
I had uh, one pacer from North Carolina that went out with me and and then one that flew from home and then two other crew members uh, from, from my home area that, that flew out as well. So we had like uh, two crews of four and then a cameraman as well. So it was a, a pretty nice crew. But yeah, I'm very close to my family. Um, at least one or more of them are pretty much always present at one of my races, at, at all of my races. It was cool. Uh, I was at Michigan Bluffs and I got to meet your family and, and chat with your dad actually for a minute or two. And it was, it was really, it was fun to like actually match who we had talked about, you know, in previous podcasts with the actual person that you talked about, you know, being a good chef and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, Arlen, how is it having camera crew? Is this the first race you've done with a camera in your face, basically paparazzi at any aid station? Like, did that get in your head at all? Or, or were you so in the zone that that didn't bother you much? Because it's a, it's a tack. It taxes the, the athlete a little bit having to do all this extra work behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I, I didn't find it taxing at all. Um, I am like one who thoroughly enjoys like every step of that of the race. And so like having a cameraman there was really special for me, knowing that those mo- moments were spared, you know, because I think so many times there are so many cool things that happened out on course that we forget about. And it was really fun like i i love looking through pictures of previous races and remembering what my head was going through at that time and so it was really special to just to know that that was being captured and that that i would get to reflect someday so no it, it didn't bother me at all marianne you can be honest it's all good <laughs> no it's, it's extra work you know no i don't think it's extra work i just think it's really nice um it's it's really nice to know that uh, this is being recorded in a sense of, you know, it, it'll be memories for a lifetime. Um, but I don't think it's extra pressure at all. Or even if it is, I, th- I think it's good pressure. You know, it's just it reminds you that this is important and you got to you got something to do and you're there for a reason. And, and, and that's about it. Do you want to share with the world the great drone incident of 2022? <laughs> uh, I don't or know. Should we save you? that? Make it exclusive somewhere else? <laughs> Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't that big of an incident. Everyone's fine. Nobody's injured. No one died. All right. No one died. Um, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> moving right along. All right. So I'll share it. I'll fess up because uh, it was both a user error and a runner's error in uh, a, a miscommunication, sure. and uh, yeah, the drone ended up colliding with Marianne during. Uh, some footage we were shooting with big wildflowers and uh, I was really upset because I, I hit her in the arm and I was seriously, seriously upset. And uh, she was really upset that she like, she thought she broke the drone. So we were both like looking at each other like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Um, Luckily, I haven't uh, that, received any lawsuits yet, so... Nope. None yet. <laughs> that, that is one of the best... Yeah. 
camera episodes I've ever heard of. Like, I mean, <laughs> you hit hit your runner with the drone. Like, that's, well, that's pretty, pretty sweet. I don't know if we're going to describe it that way. It's kind of like... Uh, the runner hit the drone, for the sure. Runner al- the runner also kind of hit the drone. It was just a big... It was a, a miscommunication is... <laughs> How we'll settle that one? Um, but I can't wait to see the footage of that. The footage is gonna. <laughs> the footage is gonna make the film. Um, not nice. not at the very end. Well, we could throw it at the very end, but um, right before that, it's a nice close up shot. So yeah. Um, so I'll shift gears a little bit. Marianne, do you have questions for Arlen? Let's like kind of switch it up and kind of co-host uh, each other and let you guys do some back and forth too. Whether it's it's about training, about the race, and I do want to hear more about the race here in a few minutes, but um, I'll open it up. Uh, Marianne, if you want to start, go for it. Uh, Sure. Um, So Arlen, I I was reading one of Adam Peterman's posts, um, and he pointed out that at the beginning of the race, he really wasn't feeling well, and he really thought that he was not having a good race. Um, until he started talking with you during the race. Apparently, you guys are talking about hunting and, and, and just life in general. And, and I, apparently, at the end of that conversation, things started turning around uh, for him. So I guess I'm just curious as to how, um, yeah, how, how did that all come about and how long did you guys run together? And, and, and if, you were, if, if that part of the run also helped you succeed um, on Saturday. Yeah, it's something I'd love to talk about. You know, I hadn't met Adam until like, I forget if it was Thursday or Friday before the race. And so I was looking forward to meeting him and didn't, did not know him, but I mean, he's a super friendly guy and never meet a nicer guy. Um, but he said the same about you, by the way. (laughs) Well, he's, he's being kind, but, um, (laughs) yeah, we, we shared quite a few miles kind of from, from the first climb to, I think after Duncan can, uh, yeah, after Duncan Canyon, sometime after that, between that and and uh, and uh, Robinson Flat, I think is where we kind of uh, parted ways or whatever. Um, he was he's a super good climber, as you know, and so like it, and I and I'm good at downhill, and so it it doesn't really pay off for us to to run together a lot, but I can remember thinking how fast this dude is and like <laughs> me i'm just like the steady eddie get her done I like i know my drill i've done a, a ton of these hundreds and i can remember sharing miles miles with him and thinking if adam is running with me like he is playing this race super smart like he's not going just going out there all out and going to blow up like i normally would expect someone like with his talent level to do um, and so I was trying to calm him down and just like give him that assurance that he is running a smart race and like he's he's doing this right. And like I just basically explained to him the odds of him blowing up are really low right now. And uh, yeah, it was really cool to have him like say that at the end that that I was a part of his race and I got to be there for that. Um, that was that was a really special moment for me. Nice. I mean, Marion, you can just host my podcast from now on. You ask really good <laughs> questions. Um, Sounds good. We're, you know, Arlen, do you have anything for Marianne? Yeah, 
Uh, a lot for Marianne. I had I, I didn't talk with her uh, a whole lot after the race, um, but I was curious. It sounded like her race went similar to mine in that we were both like using the downhill and like our climbing legs were were not there. But what did that feel like? And at what time did you feel that, Marianne, where like you lost your climbing legs or you found out that downhill was going to be your friend? Um, and what, what was the, the hardest part of that race, I guess? Um, yeah, actually, I knew before the race because I had been dealing with the back pain. Um, so about two weeks before the race, I started having a pretty intense back pain. Um, and so going uphill when I was like doing the, 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 the movement of, of, uh, putting my foot up, like on a rock, for example, kind of like if you're going upstairs, um, that was quite painful for my back and my leg. Uh, so I knew that going uphill would be more of a challenge because you're going slower and it just pulls more. Whereas going downhill, I had absolutely no issues. Um, and downhill running is usually more my strength anyway. So I just figured like I don't have any time to waste on on, on the downhill and I just want to really bomb those. And, and I also have a really good time when I do so. Um, so that was my strategy. Um, but then uh, then I also started feeling really sick around um, Robinson Flat. And uh, that was really hard mentally because, you know, after Robinson Flat, when you get to that very top and there's that huge downhill section, I really wasn't able to, to go down uh, as fast as I, I, I would have wanted. Um, so that was actually really hard mentally because I, I was imagining like this was a very crucial moment for me to be feeling good and I was not feeling good. Um, so I kind of had to, to shift gears and kind of stay focused and, and just keep moving forward until uh, until I, I started feeling better. Yeah, that's interesting. Marianne, I'm wondering when you felt the heat wave because I know for me, I decided to go with a hydration pack for the first 24 miles just to try to make that as, as efficient as possible. That way I wouldn't have to spend time at aid stations. But obviously, like a hydration pack, if you unless you're stuffing it full of ice, it can be a, a concern with heat. And so I ditched mine at Duncan Canyon, mile 24. But I okay. can just remember the climb from Duncan Canyon up to Robinson Flat. That slope is facing like either east or south, whatever it is, the sun when it comes up in the morning, and there's hardly any trees on that slope. So it just like really bakes in. It's the first that I really felt the heat was like that section, which is very early in the race. Um, I'm wondering, did you feel the heat? Did you have icing down at Duncan Canyon like me or, or what was that like for you? Yeah, it was actually really funny because I got to Duncan Canyon and my crew was starting to give me like I had ice bandanas and they started putting an ice bandana on me. And I said, no, I don't need that. It's not that hot. And then they looked at me and they said, no, you need it. <laughs> and, and they ended up putting putting it on me. And I was really thankful they did because they, it did indeed start to be pretty hot during that uphill. So um, I was actually glad that they did so. But it's weird. I never felt like the heat, it was that hot, but, um, but I understand that it was cause I, I, I think that it probably did start to have something to do with my, with my stomach and just maybe like the fueling and heating at the same time. You know, I, I think that that's where, that's where I started feeling sick perhaps. Wow. That's, that's very interesting to think about, like when I analyze my race, if I would have felt like trash coming out of Robinson flat, because there's probably 12 to 15 miles of, of descent there. 
Yeah. Like I know that early in the race, I was, I was still very hesitant to push the down, which if I ran it again, I would feel a lot more confident with it, with the descents and really try to make good time on the descents. Yeah. I can, I, I know if you were struggling pushing the descents out of Robinson flat, I mean, with what you had coming up down in the canyons, like that would be, that would be a really low point uh, looking <laughs> back on that. Yeah, it, it was, it was a pretty low point. Um, and, and I just kept moving forward. And I think that that, you know, in retrospect, that's my biggest uh, takeaway from a hundred miles. It's just that a hundred miles is a really, really long time. And it's not because you're having a low point at a really weird spot. Um, the, and you think your race is over, it doesn't mean that you can't come back from it. And you just have to keep moving to the best of your abilities at all times. Um, and eventually what happened is I was able to, th or not that I was able to, my body just completely threw up a lot. And once I did that, like, it's as if I became a new person. Like, I just felt so much better. And, and then I was able to go again. Um, my question, having just, I was out in the woods without LTE, and really kind of out of touch with who's who's in what position. And so if you don't mind helping me kind of gauge that, it, at least get me to like either Michigan Bluffs or, or wherever in terms of your, your relative position. Because um, I got a text message driving away that, Marianne, you had been leading the race and then I also got a follow-up where you were in, like, seventh place. So I was like, as I was driving to, to Michigan Bluffs, I was like, did she go out too hard? And now, like, <laughs> she's crashing and burning? Because that literally was what I, I had thought. Um, yeah. Um, no, what happened is, so going into Duncan Canyon, and I'm sure that Arlen probably lived the same thing. Like, there's a really nice descent there. Um, so it was funny because at the top of that hill, I was maybe in seventh position or something like that, but I just bombed the downhill and I got to Duncan Canyon first. Um, you passed, you passed that I, many people. Wow. I passed, uh, I passed, yeah, I passed nearly all of those top girls. I passed them on that downhill. And so I showed up first to Duncan Canyon, but then when I started going back up, like my strategy was to take it easy. I wasn't trying to go out fast. And so I just came back on my own rhythm and started running like pretty slowly and everyone passed me again. Um, and then some people who were behind me passed me. So uh, so that's when I started falling back. But but it was also kind of planned because, like I said, I couldn't really go fast on the downhill. Yeah, Arlen, were you going through the same thing? Yes, uh, that's funny to hear her say that, because I remember looking back at one point and I saw Camille and also Marianne. So uh, Marianne and I were were pretty close at some point up there, but I remember climbing to the top of the escarpment, you know, m four miles in or whatever, and I was probably in twentieth or so would be would be my guess. And I remember going through the high country, and I was running with Cole Watson for a lot of that, and we were probably you know around twentieth. But then there became a time where it was it, there was you know it's very technical up there, uh, very slow going. And I remember thinking, this is actually a real hassle running with people in this yeah. part because it's just so it's so narrow. You're so close to people. You can't see what's coming. You know, I almost tripped a couple times. And finally, I decided to try to kind of move out of the crowd I was with. And that's when I wound up getting uh, passing a couple people. And before I knew it, I was hanging out with Adam and Jared. 
And I spent a good amount of time with Adam and Jared uh, before Duncan Canyon. Um, and then when we got to Duncan Canyon, they were saying that I was in like sixth or seventh. So I was like, whoa, I had no idea that I passed that many people. So I'm not exactly sure. Maybe there were some people, you know, taking a dump in the woods or whatever. And for <laughs> some reason, I wound up further up in the field than I had expected. And I kind of held that position, give or take a couple, because I passed a few, a few passed me. But kind of, I think I went out of Forest Hill in a similar position as far as placement goes. I, I run with Jared um, Hazen, you know, quite frequently, but it normally it's like a loop course and he's already on like his second or third loop and I'm saw my first. So um, I totally relate to that. Um, uh, sorry. It, and, and so Marianne, you're the co-host right now. Where are we taking this conversation? <laughs> well, I'd, li I'd like to know how the rest of the race went, Arlen. Uh, when did you start moving up? And I guess that next session was probably really good for you in terms of like the downhill. Um, when did you start feeling like you were going to pick up some spots and, and, and kind of move your way up? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I talked a lot about my lowest point, which was before Forest Hill. Okay. So I almost feel like I should back up to that. Yeah, um, please. Climbed up, yeah, because that's going to set the stage for, for the rest of the race. But I'll do a little bit of a deep dive. So we kind of explained everything basically through Robinson Flat. I ran pretty well from Robinson Flat all the way to the bottom of Devil's Thumb. Um, and, on, and when I got down to Devil's Thumb, I caught the one French guy and down in the bottom and then I'm climbing up Devil's Thumb, and I catch Tim Tulfson halfway up Devil's Thumb. And I was not moving well at this point. Like, I felt like I was just a slow hike. Um, then at the top of Devil's Thumb, I caught the the next French guy. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, with this, like, I'm moving so slow, but I'm catching people. Um, so I ran fairly well the descent, but then the next climb... After that, there's two pretty sharp climbs, Devil's Thumb, and then I, I forget the name of the other one. Um, but after the second climb, I realized my race is not going well. I can't even run the slightest uphill grade. I have to walk pretty much everything. And I just like kept on staying in the moment. And till I got to Michigan Bluff, I was like trying so hard to hide like what was going on inside. Um, but two guys caught me right around Michigan Bluff, and I remember just thinking, like, I need to hide this because, like, I am not, I am not able to climb anymore, and I know there's still a lot of climbing to come yet. And it was really hot at that point, but I was, I mean, I was taking care of myself. I was doing everything I knew to do, um, and that's kind of when I started, like, getting some cramping in my hamstring just mainly on my right leg, but my hamstring started cramping. And I realized at one point, I'm like, I am like in eighth place and I'm like losing spots left and right. And I remember thinking to myself like this, I probably will not even top 10 here today. But then like my second thought was, you know what, this is Western States. And like, I don't care how I place, like, even if I have to try to go get another golden ticket or something, like I am going to enjoy this race regardless. And I'm going to prove to myself that I can have fun, even if I don't place well. 
And I think somewhere along there, I remember, I recall watching Unbreakable. And it was it is it Jeff Rose or what? What was the fellow's name that won that year in 2010? Yeah. Jeff Rose. Yeah. Yes, and I remember thinking. When you watch that that movie and you see how bad the da- the deck was stacked against Jeff, I mean <laughs> he ran a horrible race yeah. until Forest Hill, and then I remember thinking, "Wait a minute, this guy lost his climbing legs. He could still run the descents, and he won the race. Like if that can happen, like if I run, if I do everything just right from here out, like I could still have a great day." And I remember. There was this little note of caution, like I can't even run downhill that well because when it gets technical and steep, like my hamstring would would lock up. But I like I've done this enough times. I've learned not to let my head get into a spin of where it's this bad at 60 miles. So it's going to be way worse at 80 because that's frankly just not the way it works. That's not the way running 100 milers work. Yeah. Um, so I tried when I got to Michigan Bluff, I I remember thinking, well, maybe I'm short on calories, which I definitely think was probably the whole reason that got me into trouble. Um, I had been fueling mainly with Morton, you know, one one shot of it every every time I had crew access. And I remember the aid stations I was getting my this whatever sports drink they were serving. It just tasted like water almost. And I didn't I wasn't really concerned because I thought I was getting enough calories with my Morton. But there was probably a two hour section there where I didn't have crew access. And that was like when I when I look backwards on that section, it's like, whoa, I was like way short on calories and didn't even realize it. And I think like my fitness going into the race was so like spot on that I didn't even really feel the bonk. I just noticed I couldn't climb anymore. And like I never made these connections mid race. I mean, there was so much on my mind that like I didn't even I didn't even feel the bonk. But like in hindsight, that was a serious bonk. I just I couldn't even feel it. You you could still move. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and That's so I, was still, I was still able to run downhill fairly well, but nothing fast. Like, I wasn't making good time on the downhill. I was just, just turning the wheels. And I remember hiking up into, uh, like, the steeper part from that, that creek bottom. I went and I cooled down before you get to Forest Hill. And then it's a pretty steep climb up into Forest Hill until you get on the road. When you get on Bath Road, it's just a very nice gradual climb. And I remember running up there and Jeff Browning was coming down to pace somebody at that point. And he ran with me just a little bit there and was just asking me how my day was going. And and I just basically told him, I'm like, ah, the wheels fell off, but I'm having fun. Like, <laughs> And he's like, well, dude, it's hot. Like, you're almost a forest hill. Like, you're going to be fine. You just now's your chance to shine. And I remember coming down to Forest Hill and getting with my crew and I got new shoes on and I like it's funny. I, I took an energy gel. I was I was taking spring energy gels in between Morton. And I remember coming out of Forest Hill and I felt so good. I felt <laughs> like the race had just started. And I remember just bombing down out of out of Forest Hill like running all those downhills like extremely fast i think and that's where i picked up my pacer and i passed the two guys who had caught me right before michigan bluff i caught them right after forest hill 
And like, it was an easy catch. Like I was putting the brakes on. And so I remember basically from that point on is where the race kind of turned to my favor, but I never could climb after that. Like I walked every climb after that. Um, so that's kind of what got me out of my, out of my pity party. And that put me in a, in a, a good position where at least I was running downhill fast. That's and, awesome. um, anyhow, so that's kind of the, the, the section where, yes, I started catching people. Um, eventually I caught Jared and I'm not exactly sure when I caught who, but I know when I caught Jared, I knew he was in third and that's when the excitement really come on. I knew I didn't get real excited because I knew I was so likely to get caught with by somebody at the way I was feeling. But I remember just thinking, this is absolutely nuts. I was in like almost 10th place and losing. And now I've climbed all the way up to third <laughs> on trashed on trashed legs. Like, yeah, I yeah, that's where the magic of Western states happens. <laughs> all right, Mary, Marianne, I got to get us to Forest Hill um, and I'll I'll start with uh, being brutally honest. When I <laughs> when I saw you at Robinson, um, you know, I, I had done the I think it was Robinson. Yeah, um, I saw you. I was being eaten alive by mosquitoes in the woods there. Um, you look like you were like a little hot, a little like somewhat defeated. I could just kind of read y- your face and normally you're all smiles all the time. So I knew like you were struggling just a little bit through there as you got to Robinson's aid station. Is that true? Or did I just no. see you at a, a, at a wrong time there? No, it's, it's really funny. Cause I feel like Arlen, we basically had a very, very similar experience. Um, I, I wasn't feeling well at all. The only difference is the reason why I wasn't feeling well is not only was I under fueling, but it's not that I was under fueling. It's just I was feeling very sick. Um, I felt like I really had to throw up and my stomach was like very like was having big issues. And that made my whole body feel very nauseous. And so I was struggling to run the uphill because I was feeling nauseous on top of, you know, the back problems that I was mentioning at the beginning. And so kind of similarly, uh, I kept moving, but I was thinking to myself, like, oof, I'm really not having a good day. Like, uh, I don't even think, you know, fighting for the top 10 is going to be something, it's going to be a potential here. Um, But then somehow I I managed to stay within that top 10 and my crew kept telling me, like, you're not doing so bad. Like, you, you, you know, you're only seven minutes from the people ahead and... And they kept pushing me along and I kept moving along. And then eventually, uh, when I got to last chance is when uh, I finally threw up and and basically threw up everything that I had in my body. Um, And that gave me a brand new body, it seemed like. Um, But it was also very, very dangerous because then you're you're going down into two canyons. Um, And so at that point, I was just thinking like, oh, man, I just got to make it through those two canyons and or first canyon to replenish on the other side. Because after last chance, I I threw up like multiple times on the way down, but I had to make it out on the way on the other side. And I only had two bottles, which I drank pretty quickly after I threw up. So I was out of water or out of hydration. And then uh, I just made my way out to to Michigan Bluff. Um, And when I got to Michigan Bluff, I was kind of feeling the same way I was just kind of feeling low and and feeling like I really wasn't having a good race and I couldn't really understand why 
Um, and then my family started telling me like, Marianne, you're doing great. Like if you keep going this way, you're going to make your way, you know, you're going to, you're going to get closer to top five or whatnot. And that really shook me because I was thinking like, man, I'm really not having a good day. I don't understand what's going on. Um, but from that point on, I feel like at Michigan Bluff is the first time where I was really able to eat a lot. Um, so I had a sandwich at Michigan Bluff. Um, and that, it really, that was shocking. That yeah. was, sh- I told your family, I'm like, she must be doing really well. You normally don't want to eat like a sandwich during a race like this. So yeah, but things were was- resetting. Yeah, so um, so I got to Michigan Bluff, I ate the sandwich, and I immediately started feeling a thousand times better. It's as if like it gave me new energy, I was ready to go, and the race for me started at Michigan Bluff. Like That's when I was back, and then the next section, I felt so good, and, th- and then I got to Forest Hill, and it was a huge party, and, and my crew was there, my family was there, and we all ran together, and it was a lot of fun. And from that point on, I was just like, okay, let's go. Like, we got to make it to, we got we to gotta, regain some positions here. Um, so I kept moving forward and, 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 and made my way all the way through to, to third position. Um, and, and I was kind of in disbelief because I couldn't understand how I could have such a, a, a bad, you know, such a long, bad section, but still still be doing well. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway for 100 miles. It's just like, no matter how bad you think you're doing, like as long as you're moving forward, you're making progress and, and you can come back from certain situations. So I, I think that was just the, the, the biggest the biggest thing for me. Can come back from the dead. Sounds like both yeah. of you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when you drop down, you're, you're working down to the river. I talked to Luzia and she said that you two were like kind of leapfrogging each other, but in like kind of a joking way and, and almost working together. Is that what you experienced? Yeah, absolutely. Lucia was super nice. She uh, she passed me on the way up to Michigan Bluff. Um, she was super encouraging. She was like, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Which which I think was the greatest thing of all. Um, and so then we started chatting and then and then she she ran away, but then I caught up to her again um, when we were making our way down to like the cows, like cow in between cow ones and cow two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was running with my pacer there, and I had told my pacer like go in front and and really kind of push the pace, and and I'll just try to follow along. And so that's when we catch up, caught up to Lucia, and and she kind of hopped on the train with us, uh, which was really nice. And then eventually she she went back out front. Um, because a, a little bit like Arlen, like I was having a harder time going uphill, but going downhill, there was no problem. Um, so when we were going uphill, she would go in front again. And so it was really fun to do like back and forth. Um, and that lasted all the way down to the river. Um, and then at the river, she at Rekicheki, she uh, she uh, had stopped for a longer uh, aid. Um, and I just kept going. I just grabbed the bottle and go and went because I knew that there was going to be an aid station at Greengate. Um, but I did not see her uh, again. Um, but I was happy to see her charging um, at the finish line. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And um, Arlen, you, you got to watch out. I, m- I mean, I know um, the community thinks you're the, the nicest ultra runner in the world right now. But Luzia is like, you know, putting up some really good efforts here. Yeah, um, I've I've heard a lot of people say she's like the nicest person in the world. So, got to you got to step up your game. Um, get us get us down to Rucky Chucky for your race, Arlen. Yeah, so I felt like I had a really solid day. 
um, from Forest Hill to, to Rocky Chucky. Um, but I, I, like I said, my pace, I had a pacer with me at that time. And I guess he had not taken care of himself during the day. And he was, he oh, was no. actually having, having some really nasty symptoms. And finally I, I looked back and I, and I'm like, dude, like, I wanted you to experience this, but like, I don't want you in the hospital. <laughs> like, uh, like you, you do not have to chill with me the rest of the time. I'm like, I'm glad you didn't have to babysit me earlier in the race when I was just like poking along, mm-hmm. but, and I'm, I'm running good, but I remember stopping once to, and I think I stopped to look back to see if he was still with me or if he was going to be okay. And I looked back and right then my hamstring, like, blocked up completely and it like i almost fell over and i remember just trying to find a position where i could stretch that that hamstring out and i'm like boy i can't even walk right now i tried to walk i couldn't walk backwards i could i was just like oh boy and so i finally got it stretched out and i was able to get get going again and we like 10 seconds later i was in sight of rocky chucky And uh, so I remember being like, oh, okay, I'm going to fake it. Like, my hamstring's just fine right now. (laughs) And I come down to the river, and I sat down, and they're, you know, helping me out. And I'm trying to stretch my hamstring out while I'm getting ice down and everything. And I was trying to stretch it out, but I didn't want to make it obvious that I was having, (laughs) like, uncontrollable cramping. And... So I remember being like, okay, this isn't so bad. I will hopefully be able to cross the river without anyone catching on that I'm like actually having a really tough time here. And so I'm, I go across the river and wow, was that an experience or what? Like <laughs> I looked at the river at the training camp and I was like, okay, this is going to be easy. But when I got there, like there is some humongous rocks down there and like they are so slippery and so big, you can hardly step over them. Marianne, you're like half my size. I'm not sure how you manage. <laughs> like, I don't know how you did it, but I just like floated eventually and then just pulled myself on the rope with the rope, like while floating. Um, yeah. How did you maneuver across that river? Yeah, I just wanted to swim. That's all. I like the whole way we were we were going down. I just kept telling my pacer mate, like I'm so excited to swim. So I was just focusing like on getting in the water as much as I could as I was going across. Um, I, I enjoyed the river actually. It was, it was one of my my favorite moments. That's how she started yeah. endurance with swimming. So yeah. she she probably feels more at home in the water than anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I um, feel pretty good. I I'm just picturing you two like. Like Arlen, your your legs are cramping severely. Like you're having a rough go, Marianne. Like your back, you're having back issues and all that sort of stuff. And like you two, poor guys are eighty miles into a race, seventy eight miles in, and trying to cross a river. Like this just sounds dangerous, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I like they have you sign waivers for a reason. Like this just. <laughs> um, and they do have a rope there for a reason. So what was it like getting out? I know it's like that super sandy kind of initial climb. Um, and both of you ha- are having trouble climbing. So like, were, were there any hiccups there getting to Greengate? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll jump in a little bit from, from Rocky Chucky to Greengate, which is just like, you know, everybody knows it's like a two mile stretch, mostly climbing. 
I remember, I think I hiked most of that, but my, my memory's not that great on actually what happened. In my mind, I was hiking most of it. But I remember probably halfway up or not even, I remember hearing cheering down at the river. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, so the good news, somebody is right on my heels. Like I can <laughs> hear them before I'm out of, out of that range. And, but I remember thinking I heard them cheer a little bit, but then I didn't hear any cheering. And I'm like, when I came in, everybody cheered and then they all cheered when I went out. And I just remember thinking like, whoever this is, I probably heard them come into the aid station, but I didn't hear them come out. So I knew somebody was on my heels, but I was like, you know what? Last year, Camille slept there for six hours. And like, I wasn't going to get too worried about someone. But I mean, <laughs> as the story goes on, we can talk more about just how threatening that individual or whatever individual it was, you know, could be later on in the race. I wish I was quick enough to sleep six hours during a hundred and finish. <laughs> My gosh, that's crazy. All right. Thank you for that tidbit. That'll keep me up at night. Uh, Marianne, how was getting out of the, the water? Cause your, your lower back was, it's yeah from the, the second I got into California was kind of bothering you a little bit. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was bothering me a little bit, but I think by the time I got to, to that point, it's like, you know, when your body is so is, is past the pain, it's just like, it kind of forgets for a little while. So it wasn't that bad for me going out of recce check. was almost very emotional. Like it was really nice. It was a really nice section that I got to do with my, with my pacer, who is one of my really good friends from home. And it was kind of like an emotional, like, Hey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing this. This is so nice. Like, I can't believe you brought me to this spot. Um, because when we started, when we started the run in Forest Hill, I was maybe in like, uh, seventh or seventh position and I had moved up to fourth position. Um, so that was very exciting and it was just, it was really nice because at the same time, my brother and my other pacer was running down the hill. So it was just kind of like a really fun moment. We all hiked the hill together. Um, and that's what I told them. I said, hey, can we hike this hill? Because I know that the next section is going to be very runnable. And I want to make sure that I'm going to run like every second of the of the next section. So it was just a, a good time to kind of reset before uh, the final section of the course, which is a pretty important one to, to, to run fast. So I'll leave the, the listener hanging here. I run down to to Greengate with my camera. Uh, within two minutes, Emily Howgood comes through. You know, she's not moving as fast, but she's still smiling for the most part. Two minutes later, Marianne comes through, roughly two minutes. Um, pretty efficient stop, and you're out. And then within two minutes, Lucia uh, comes through. So it's just like, Boom, boom, boom. Third, fourth, fifth. They're all stacked within like, I would say within a 10 minute window. So it could go race. You know, you still have 20 miles could go any direction. It was like really, really exciting Uh, for, for the female group, like to be 80 miles in and like within probably six minutes, anyone could take third, fourth, fifth, and then you're chasing the the two out front you know who knows if they went out too hard and sleep for six hours at an aid station like anything's possible so i'll leave it there but arlen um walk me through Greengate into the finish yeah so from from Greengate, 
um, that's where I, I picked up my next pacer. I actually left my first pacer at the river crossing. So I went from river up to green gate without, without a pacer. And I picked up Derek, uh, Derek Miller at green gate. Um, and he was in super good spirits. I was in fourth place at that time, I believe. And so we took off and I remember just thinking like, boy, Derek, you're lucky that you weren't pacing me earlier because I was moving really well, but it's still like that hamstring was like so threatening. And I mean, I, if I backed up a little bit more, my, I had a you know massive injury in February. Uh, my left hip was just completely destroyed. Um, so my right leg as as a whole has been like overcompensating um i didn't feel anything going into the race but like earlier in the training block it was it was like i could tell right leg was was the main duty so that's kind of where this this right hamstring cramping i believe stemmed from but i remember it being so flat during that section and i was moving really well like i don't know what pace i was running but I remember just thinking, like, this is this is going okay. Um, and then we got to, I think it was around 82 miles. And I re- all of a sudden, I looked up and I caught a, a glimpse of uh, a Solomon runner. And I'm like, hold it, that's Jared. Like, and I remember Whoa. seeing, and he was he was running the, and it, I it was on a climb, a, a slight, a gradual climb and i remember i was hiking at the time and i remember actually closing the distance while i'm hiking he's running and i'm like i thought my climbing legs were gone but he's running and i'm catching him i'm like this is this is really weird like hey you know how when you're running 100 miles like sometimes things are like so like your perspective is so messed up you think that you're doing terrible or you think you're you can sometimes feel like you're running a six minute pace and then you go back on your run and look (laughs) look at the splits and it was like i was running a nine minute pace you you know how that is like yeah yeah your 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 perspective uh perspective but i remember being like hold it that's jared right there like he is in third place and i'm like I'm Lazarus, like I'm, I just rose from the dead and <laughs> I'm hunting down third place. I was just thinking like how bizarre this is. Now I, I remember thinking, I know there was somebody right behind me is, is what I'm thinking, but I'm like, you know what? I, at least we just gives me something to fight for. And so I remember like closing the gap. And then like when I passed him, like being significantly faster and I'm like, okay, this is great. Like, I don't think I have to worry about Jared again. I just have to worry about who's in front of me, who's behind me, and how can I make the best out of this last 15 miles? I remember getting to the aid station at at 85 miles, and it was a really cool moment. Like, we were having such – I think that's where Scott Jurek was at, and I met him for the first time. I'm like, this is – I mean, I'm having a fanboy moment at, at aid station, <laughs> 85 miles into the. I had the same the, moment, Arlen. <laughs> okay, I'm like, this is so awesome. They need like, to get him to the. Like they need bottle. to get him to the finish line. Come on, like. <laughs> hey, it's so like special, Arlen took though. five minutes at that aid station. Where no, <laughs> every, everyone's like scratching I, their head, like, what's going I on? I disagree <laughs> because there's no crew access there, and like, it, we needed something to lift our spirits. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like. Will you fill my 
right bottom of them. I'm like, wait, I need to get a fist bump out of this guy. And so like, we're having a good time. And he's like, you only have three miles to go. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm spending way too much time here. If I've only <laughs> got like three miles to the next aid station. And when I, and, and so I'm sitting down in, and maybe that was actually mile 90 that Scott was there, but I remember sitting down and like, they all started cheering all of a sudden when I'm sitting down at the aid station and I'm like icing down. And I realized I looked up and somebody came into the aid station. I didn't even <laughs> look, look twice to see who it was, but I'm like, this is not good. Like this guy has been on my heels now for, for like 10 miles. And like, I'm not pulling away from him. And I remember looking at my pacer and being like, okay, let's go. And I tore out of there and I ran, I remember there being a little bit of downhill, but mostly just flat running. And I remember just running as hard as I possibly felt like it was sustainable trying to put some gap in us because I knew there's climbs to come. Like I knew if I didn't actually put time on him, I was toast. And so I remember getting, you know, getting out of there, heading towards pointed rocks um, and like just thinking I'm in third, but like, I'm not going to relish this because I could lose this in no time flat. Like if, if, you know, if I have a bad section, if there's a climb that I forgot about, like I could, I could lose this. Um, so anyway, that kind of wraps up pointed rocks and there's a special story at pointed rocks. Maybe, maybe after we get Marianne up there. Um, (laughs) Can I just ask you, can I ask you one quick question? What, in your head was the importance of third third position as opposed to fourth i know giving well, up a I mean, position with 10 miles to go is like you know a absolute worst for for you guys um like in your head were you was the top three a, a, like a different level um like i mean a different shoot, type of goal and group i i mean i would have been happy with 10 like i yeah, I'm not, I'm not just obsessed with like seeing how well I can, like how I can outperform everybody else. Like I wanted to get the most out of myself, but I realized on a really, really nasty day, like I still managed to get up to third. And I remember thinking like podium is, is very special. Like it's kind of, I feel like the fight between, between, you know, third and fourth, is like way better than the fight between third and second. Um, and it just, I happen, that's where I happen to be. And the, to me, that's why, like, I live for the stories that, that come from these, from these hundred milers. And so like when I'm in a position where I can maybe protect a spot, like to me, that's a story brewing. And so that's why it was so special. It, it wasn't that there's that much significance. I mean, yes, there is, you know, we are guaranteed if we want to go to UTMB, like there is something on the line with third place. It's a podium. But to me, the reason it was so special is because it was me. I was the one in that position. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, since running became a sport, it was in the Olympics. Difference between a bronze medal and going home empty handed. And <laughs> in my head, at least once ultra running is finally in the uh the Olympics will will have a real reason to be fighting for third as opposed to second, or whatever it might be. Marianne, let's let's hear how your next uh, fifteen miles I, go. I have a question for Arlen first, though. 
do you do you realize who who is behind you at this point or are you just like there's someone behind me and I just gotta go no so I assumed it was um and I, I'm sorry I'm I'm so new to the sport that like I still am learning names um but there was one there was one guy that I had passed after Forest Hill and okay. I believe he wound up like seventh or sixth or seventh. Okay. Um, I, I, he had a beard and that's why I got him and Tyler mixed up. I believe because whoever I saw come in, I thought I saw a beard, but you know, maybe I was hallucinating at that point, but no, I didn't exactly know for sure who was back there. Um, but yeah, there's another story as to who's back there yeah. later on. Um, I guess. But let's, let's get you up to pointed rocks. Like what was that like battling out? Because you were in a similar position as me, like you're yeah. in third, and you are protecting this for your dear life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, when I left, uh, when I left Greengate, I was still in fourth, um, and my whole, whole crew got me, uh, you know, kind of um, uh, hyped up that you know third place wasn't far, and I was looking good, and you know all of this stuff. But just like you, I was like, man, I know that third place isn't far, but fourth and fifth is also behind, or fifth and sixth is also not <laughs> far behind. So I got to go. Um, so for me, what was really important is just I needed to focus on my race, and I just needed to, to go, you know, my own pace. Um, and if I was going to catch the, the, the third person, I was going to. Um, and it was Emily Hoggett at that point. So um, I just I just kept going, and it was a really nice section. And we ran it at Memorial Camp, and I ran it uh, once more Um Uh, during my time in California. So it was a section that I was very familiar with and I knew that, you know, we could, we could run well. So I just told the same thing to my pacer. I said, go right in front and, and push the pace and let's see how fast we can go here. Um, and so I was really excited when at some point he just, you know, we just saw, had a, a glimpse of Emily out front and, uh, yeah, we just, we just got behind her and, and we were running so well that we just passed her. Um, and, and it was, it was a very, uh, it was a very remarkable moment. Um, and I had the sensation like we passed her pretty fast, but what was really interesting is that maybe like 10 minutes later, I saw her behind, like really not far. <laughs> so uh, just like you, I was like, yeah, I may be in third position right now, but I don't know how long I'm going to be, I'm going to be in third position for, and I just got to keep moving as fast as I can because the race isn't over till it's over, you know? So, um, I managed to, to hold on to that third place up until Pointed Rocks. Um, and, and, and I was pretty happy about that because that, that, you know, there's a pretty big climb. Um, I don't know how you felt on that last climb, like considering that your legs were, were pretty tired that whole time. But for me, um, I think it was like the, the, my best climb of the race was that final one. So I, mean, I guess it's not I, the final one because there's a one going up to Roby Point, but the last big one at least. Can, can I ask just super quick, was there a single word muttered like when you passed Emily? Yeah, I said, good job. <laughs> but that's all I could say. You know, there was okay. not much more that came out of me. You guys are like going deep into the well here. I can't imagine like a conversation. I just had to ask if no, there was No, there wasn't much of a conversation. Like I just passed on the left and she like moved to the right and I looked at her and I said, good job, keep going or something. And then, and then we kept going and, and that shout out was on about your, it. On your left. <laughs> no, I didn't have to do it. Like, I was just, I was following my pacer. So like she, he managed that. I don't even know. I don't think he said anything, but I think her pacer said something to her and she just moved aside and we passed. And as I passed, I said something. Got it. Arlen. Yeah. 
back, back to you. Sorry, I, I interrupted. No, that's all right. Um, are you wanting me to move forward towards towards uh, yeah, climb, rocks? Because that's where let's hear about the climb the and race then, yeah, got pretty fun. Yeah, get us get us to the, the uh, track. Yeah, so I did. Yeah, that wow, Marion's real about the climb to, to pointed <laughs> rocks. I mean, that is. I don't know. I remember looking. Is I'm thinking it's like around a thousand feet. Um, of total climb there but it's it feels pretty good at 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 95 miles but i remember getting it coming up into pointed rocks and and being like okay this is really cool like this is where my mind is going to snap into the right position to just fight this out like there's something about for me the last aid station like i do my stuff and then like i make my move and i remember like coming in there thinking like, I have no idea how bad, you know, how close the guy is behind me, who it is. But I remember just being like, okay, just take care of myself, get ready and then go. And I remember like getting this and that and trying to cool down. And I was kind of getting pretty close to ready to go, but not going to rush it. And I remember my crew, like trying to give me a headlight because I told them if I got to, to pointed rocks, uh, after 745 to give me a headlight. Well, I got there at like eight o'clock and I just remember thinking I am going to run this in under an hour if I have to die for it. And it just being like, no, I told him I don't want the headlight. I want the pressure knowing that if someone's behind me, I don't want them seeing my headlight. Like that's just bad, bad game there. Um, and I, I remember like I was sitting in a chair icing down, getting ready for this last go. And all of a sudden my sister, I heard some cheering and my sister says, the other guy is in the aid station. And they didn't tell me I've got to go. It was just like, all of a sudden I just bounced out of the chair and took off. Didn't even know if my pacer was with me. Like (laughs) I was just like, this is really bad. And I remember like during training, I had run that section from pointed rocks to the finish line like multiple times like that was one section that i knew very well and i remember thinking if i had to run fast this section would be the place to do it like down to no hands bridge and so i tore out of there and i i don't know how fast i was running i think at one point i looked down and i saw like a 630 pace and i'm just like this is great like my my Hamstring is string is still cramping, like just about tripping me, but I'm like, that's okay. Just I, as long as I can just stay right here and just this effort level and just push, push this, I'll be fine because I knew I had to put time on whoever it was. Like I could not just let them stay right there. I had to actually put a gap before our climb up to Roby point, because I knew when I go up Roby point, like I'm going to have to walk a section of that. And like, I'm just they're just whoever's back there if he has any life in him he's just going to eat me up and so i you know ran as fast as i could down to no hands bridge and then up from no hands it's not too bad like it's just a nice gradual climb not technical it's very smooth um but then the closer you get to to auburn the more technical and the steeper it gets and at one point i eventually had to just switch over to hiking and like at this point, it's like if he kept if if I didn't do what I needed to it so far, like 
it's too late now. And I remember like getting up to that point and like finishing, like drinking my bottle of Morton and just like getting my game on plan and like emptying my other water bottle, like pulling myself the final. Yes. Like getting rid of all the extra weight, using it up, up, um, getting ready for that last three mile charge. Um, and I remember climbing up to, to Rowley point and as embarrassing as it was, I just like hiked past the aid station, just like, sorry, dudes, this is all I've got. Well, <laughs> like my whole crew was there, like crew B was all at Roby point or in that area. And, you know, you can have however many people you want from that point on. So they're all like around me having a good time. And I started, I, once I got to the top of Roby point and started running down, I was running very well at that point, but like up until that point, I wasn't doing well. And I remember looking back at Roby point and not seeing anyone. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I have like at least a minute or two on whoever that was that I saw at pointed rocks. Maybe he stayed there for a while. Like I'm not threatened at this point. So I'm thinking, I've come halfway around the world, no, just around the country, uh, mm-hmm. for this race. And like, this is the experience of a lifetime. I'm running down downtown Auburn. People are cheering. It's just, just, I'm getting there just as it's getting dark. So it's like the city is so pretty. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to soak this up. Like, I'm not going to just charge to the finish. I am going to enjoy this moment. Like, I'm, I'm in third. I have nothing to worry about. And I'm good. Everybody talks about just, you know, set the competitive side away, uh, you know, set the competitiveness away and enjoy your race. And that's what I was trying to do for that last mile. And I remember I got in sight of the track where you make a left hand turn and then it's kind of real like sharp right hand turn. And then you jump through that gate and it's like really tight bottleneck area. And the biker had joined us at that point and was getting footage. And like right, right before you make the left-hand turn, somebody yelled Tyler. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I know what Tyler does. Like he eats people up. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler Green. I mean, (laughs) like Tyler Green is just known from like hunting everyone down from the backside. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, not first, not Tyler. Like I thought this was this other dude that I passed earlier. And like, (laughs) I can outrun him, but wait, now a new dude on the town, <laughs> like I, I'm not ready to race Tyler here. And I remember thinking, you mean I'm going to have to sprint to like save my tail in the last 400 meters of the race. And just, I remember thinking somebody yelled like Tyler is closing fast. And I'm like, oh, hold it. No. And you know, like, you know how it is. If you catch sight of someone ahead of you, you can just like, eat them up. I mean, it's, it's like you own it. If you're from behind, you just automatically own the race. Um, and I knew that like all he had to do was get this massive adrenaline rush by catching a glimpse of me. And I'm like, just free for the taking. You're sitting duck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a sitting duck is, Mm. it's just like, I'm like, I can't believe I've run for 16 hours here. And, and like, I'm going to get passed on the track. Oh, 
<laughs> and oh, I just man. took off for all I was worth. I'm like, I want to give high fives so bad. And like, I remember at one point, I think I can't wait to see the footage to see what actually happened. But I think there was a couple <laughs> kids that walked out in front of me on the track. And I can't remember what happened if I like had to jump out of the way. I, I don't remember as exactly as what happened. As long as you didn't punch him, I, I don't think. Well, yeah, no, I don't think I don't <laughs> think that happened. I, but there again, we'll have to look at the footage. But I remember just hauling around the track just as fast as I possibly could. And then, like, when I got on the straight stretch, I'm like, okay, maybe he can't catch me here. Maybe I can sneak a couple high fives in. It like, <laughs> was like the longest track run of Did your you life. Did you see him probably. at this point? Yes. What's yeah. that? Could you see him at this point? Like I you... never, I was never brave enough to look back because I didn't. <laughs> I did not want to make eye contact. I knew that is oh. not good for him or me. Like I just decided to assume that he was in striking distance. Now, in my defense, I knew that the guys when they yelled Tyler, it was like right after a turn. Yeah. And so I knew if they, they saw said him at the Tyler, top of the hill, if, yeah, behind yeah, you. If they yep. saw him. He was just seconds behind. Yeah, yeah, And so, like, I just took off for all I was worth. I get through the finish line, and I was, like, (laughs) I was happy as could be. I mean, I just fought off the the, the monster, okay? I just defied nature by, like, being (laughs) the one to outrun someone from behind. So, So, like— Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All all I was was going to say is— I I was just going to say I don't envy you. You have— you're sandwiched between Hayden Hawks and Tyler Green, like, and you and you live to talk about it, like, uh, <laughs> that's wild. Um, I mean, continue. I oh, I, yeah. I also wanted to ask about your family. You drop, like, you had to drop everything and sprint. So did they catch up eventually, or was there a bottleneck with Tyler coming through? Like, I just wanted to hear uh, about that. So my family was on the track. They let them at the finish line my crew my b crew they were running with me and yeah they were they were uh they were taken back by the sprint that they had to do to (laughs) to capture the moment because i'm like they're like asking me like what do you want me to do like what do you want us to do and i said run through the finish line with me like i want you guys here like i want you guys experiencing this um so i remember getting through the finish line feeling just is is as proud as a peacock that I actually defended third place. And I remember I like I grabbed my sister to give her a hug and immediately all of a sudden my legs just like collapsed. And I'm like, it's <laughs> come out of nowhere. I mean, if you saw the finish line, I didn't know what to do when I got there other than I just saw the 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 arch and I'm like, I'm gonna just jump up and see if I can touch that arch. Like I have no vert. I'm an ultra runner. But I'm like, I felt so good. I just like wanted to jump up and grab the and grab the finish line arch. And so I did that. And then I fall over and I'm laying there just like trying to just trying to comprehend what just happened. And I look up and I see Tyler on the track and like he rounded the corner as soon as he rounded the corner, like he just walked it in. And I remember like standing up. I'm like, I want to be the first one to hug Tyler when he comes to the finish line, because like these stories are so valuable to me. Like having that happen, that was way better than if I had been five minutes sooner and like wouldn't have been able to catch Hayden and Tyler would have been way back there. Like where I was at in the race, this was my race. This was my story. This is what happened to me. And that was like so special to me. But I remember like thinking, Wow. So 
Tyler like walked it in and I could just see just the look on his face was just priceless of like, I can't believe what just happened was, was the look <laughs> on his face. So you it saw was, it was him from priceless. the ground, like, cause you had just jumped kind of fallen and kind of looked up and, and that's where you saw him or were you already on your feet? Yeah. I, I can't, I think I was still on the ground, but there again, <laughs> camera footage might tell you something oh, what different. A shot. It, it, if the listener has video or your photos of this situation, please email me training for ultra at Gmail. I'll share them. Um, but I mean, congrats. So you guys actually, actually were probably within like 40 seconds, 30, 40 seconds. Yeah. Right? So I think it's it not was the actual 50 finish. seconds. Okay. Finish, finish time was I think 50 seconds. Somebody told me that we came through the gate 17 seconds apart though. Wow. So like Jeez. I sprinted the whole way around the track and Tyler was trying to catch me when he, we got on the track. But I think when he realized there's just, he ran out of road, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. And when, when he realized he wasn't going to do it, he was just like, I'm going to walk this in. And it, it, so it looked like 50 seconds, but I, I'm pretty sure somebody told me it was 17 seconds that we were actually separated by 17 seconds, which is pretty crazy. (laughs) Marianne, the bar is high. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't have so much of an epic story, but it's funny because since the beginning, we've had similar stories, but mine was complete opposite. Um, What happened is when I left Pointed Rocks, uh, that was similar. I dropped off all my stuff. I left with nothing. I thought there was still an aid station at No Hands Bridge. Um, So I bombed down that first downhill. And when I got to No Hands Bridge, I was so thirsty and there was no aid station. (laughs) So I was like, darn it. And then... I kept going, but is th- that last hill was it was pretty it was much of a struggle for me because I was very tired and and just very thirsty and and hungry at this point too. Um, so I make it up to Roby Point, and and my whole crew is there, and I'm so excited to see them, and and I'm I, I'm like oh, I can't believe I'm here. But that whole last uphill, I keep asking my brother to look behind to see because um, my brother is facing me at this point to see if um, the 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 fourth place girl was behind me because I. I had watched the week before. I had watched the Caitlin Gerben's The Last Mile movie, and that's just, a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, I really, really, really don't want to be passed in this last mile. So I kept asking him like to look behind, and he was like, "There's no one there, Marianne. Stop asking." And then we go up, and I'm surrounded by my whole crew, which at this point is like five five guys, and they're all chatting, 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 and they're having a great time, and I, and I'm having a great time with them, but I keep interrupting and asking them like hey guys is there someone behind <laughs> and and they just keep saying like no there's no one there and then i, I and then i keep paranoid. pushing <laughs> <laughs> they, they 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 kept telling me like stop being paranoid and then i told them at that point i said oh yeah well i have a movie to show you that shows why i am so paranoid <laughs> so i kept running and running and then we get on the track and I'm still a little paranoid, but I'm, I'm, I'm like calming down. And then I'm like, I, ne- I didn't know what the rule was for pacers. Like, are they allowed to run with me on the track? I don't know. So I'm just like, guys, just go on the inside just in case, you know, we don't want to be disqualified on the track. <laughs> so I have them run with me all the way to the finish and, 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 uh, and that was it. But um, it turns out that uh, Lucia was charging in um, and, and the guys, like when they saw her running on the track, like she was going, she was 
was going like bomb town on the track. They looked up her, they looked up her pace, and she. They said that she was going. Um, I only have it in in kilometer pace, but she was going 345 kilometer pace on on the track. <laughs> so if if she had caught up to me, she definitely would have would have out sprinted me on that track. So I, I'm glad that it turned out that way. She finished like what two minutes behind you? I think yeah, I think three minutes or something, but close enough. Wow, um, you guys both had very similar races. Um, Pretty much from the beginning to the end. And mm -hmm. Arlen, were you just so wiped out you were still at the finish line watching people come in? Or did you make an effort uh, for for Marianne to see her finish? Because um, I was so exhausted after filming all day. I, I kind of did a double take. I saw you and then I was like, oh, cool. Got to say hi to Arlen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it's western states like my family was kind of wanting to go back to the hotel and that that's another story in and of itself but anyway yeah my family was wondering and i'm like uh please like this is western states i want to stay here until i literally fall asleep um but anyway the drug test went well um it didn't take till 1 a.m like it did a jackpot so it was really fun <laughs> to just hang out like i remember being there when Cole Watson come through, I'm trying to think some of the last people that were there, but yeah, I was there for a lot of the, what felt like a lot of the night. I mean, nothing compared to the, the 30 hour finishers, but I was like, at some point I'm like, you know what? I do need a little bit of sleep. I'm coming back in the morning. Like every minute that I'm here tonight is probably a minute that I'm not here in the morning. Um, but yeah, it was just an experience. Like I was willing to go until I, until I crashed uh to stay there for i mean that's it's so special like and even if you stay there for an hour and a half you're still like watching the top 10 ladies come through i mean it's it's like it's so worth it um to to watch people that are putting everything they have out there and like i don't know it, it's just you, it's so special you remind me so much of hayden hawks it was like in 19 uh with daniels when matt finished I think Hayden stayed all night and watched all the finishers. Like you guys both are, are just all in on States. I love the passion and um, just huge congrats. And I was impressed with how coherent you were like, although poor Marianne, um, <laughs> we kind of, we kind of both chatted while she was like full-blown lane like lane just in the middle of like where you walk in i think <laughs> i think they threw her a blanket and just kind of yeah hopefully not too many people walked on you <laughs> no it was fine i managed to to get myself out of the drug test as well eventually and and, and yeah um so yeah, it took it took me a while because I had thrown up so much, and then what happened is when I crossed the finish line, I also threw up some more. So I was super dehydrated, um, and uh, it took me forever to, to 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 finally pee. So that was that was difficult for sure. I think that was almost more difficult than the race itself. <laughs> they, were, they were like, you can only drink water. Like, no, like, yeah, you no, can't, they... you can't have anything else because it might affect the test. And no, I, I look over at you. I'm just like. <laughs> Like, oh, no, okay, you're dehydrated, like, dilute your electrolytes even more? Like, okay, this is going to be a while. 
No, they wanted me. They only wanted to give me closed containers, so I had to go to the tent, and then then I was able to drink other stuff, um, oh, which I did. Okay, at the tent is where. Okay. Yeah, there was more. There, it's just I had to make it out there, which eventually I did. It just took me a little while longer. Um, <laughs> the board but, director, the the head. Uh, yeah, was, I was walking just, you over. <laughs> I was escorted, but everyone was so nice, and and that was amazing. Like the, the you know Magdalena walked me over as well. Um, and then they stayed. They stayed with me for the whole time. I was waiting there to be rehydrated, and then and then I was super dehydrated. I was dehydrated to the point where uh, the doctor was kind of worried about letting me go. And then um, they, uh, they 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 followed up a few days later, which actually the next day, just to make sure that I was I was I was fine and that my I had regained a, um, a viable <laughs> a hydration level. So. So that that was really nice, and and it was really good to see that they take such good care of uh, the athletes coming in. So that was good. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'll let you guys finish this uh, episode yourselves, however you like. If you want to ask a question to each other or or whatever it might be, but last question of the night. Let's uh, let's hear it. Uh, Maybe Arlen, you can kick a question to Marianne and. We'll uh we'll end the episode here. Wow. So like I wasn't expecting this one, but we'll just go with <laughs> it. So Marianne, when I came through or when you come through and you were laying there, you were shivering like yeah. uncontrollably. Now, were you actually cold or did you warm up or did you just do that all night? Like what what was that like? Yeah, it was really weird. I don't know why I was doing it. I think I was a little cold, but I don't think I think my body was just very, very, very tired and completely depleted, actually. Um, Because like I said, like I threw up a lot um, before and after the race. So I think my body was just was just kind of like, hey, this isn't working for us anymore. (laughs) We need food and we need beverages. But at the same time, I couldn't really drink because I kept throwing up. So um, I think my body was just overreacting to uh, to everything that was going on and and eventually you know the next day i was i was i was definitely feeling better and, and not shaking anymore but I, I i can't say that it was necessarily cold i think i was just tired i i awesome. saw I, I was just gonna say i i saw that uh in 19 with matt daniels so i oddly was like not concerned because he did the exact the exact same thing uh he was shaking almost identically so huh. It's kind of weird. That's neat. That might be weird for a last question, but like, I am so fascinated with what happens to the human body when doing something that's just so like objectively absurd. Um, So there, there it was. Interesting. Yeah. Can I, can I ask a last question? Yeah. So Arlen, I'm assuming you are coming back next year. Uh, Definitely. Like, I think when I look at that race and what the day gave me, because they really like pounded into your head, just take whatever the day gives you. And the day gave me such a good experience that like, if I couldn't even place top 10 next year, I would totally do it again. It was such a, a cool experience. Yeah. But also like the unknown. I mean, if I had my climbing legs for that race, and also was running the downhill, like who knows what would have happened. Like it would have been such a cool experience to see what like I had done on a good day. I mean, my recovery has been pathetic. Like (laughs) I feel 
I fe- actually thought about it today. I should sign up for a 5K tomorrow because I think I could PR in the 5K. I feel like <laughs> so the legs feel so snappy that like, yeah, I definitely want to. I think that course was made for me. My quads felt really good all day. And I just am so fascinated by a ton of climbing, a ton of descending, even more descending. And like this whole net downhill, uh, it's just to me, like that race was just built for me. So absolutely. I, I, I guess that wasn't my true question, though. The, the, the question I wanted to ask was, have you identified something like super quickly that you, you, you think you can or that you're going to do differently next year that, that, that you think will help you do better? Yes, definitely. Just knowing like how long it gets from one aid station to the next and one crew station to the next is like huge for me because I like to me, I think all of my difficulties came from that one section where I didn't have crew access for quite a while. And I just like unknowingly just did not take care of my calorie intake and didn't know where it was at and then didn't see it coming on. And and that's just kind of put me into a spiral that lasted the rest of the day. But like, totally. Yeah. I, I, it would be so easy to fix that problem. Just like put a pack of Morton in my, in my handheld and have it to mix it at the next aid station. Like that would be such an easy fix, but Mm -hmm. yep. Nice. I think during my hundreds, I probably eat as much as the top 10, of either category <laughs> in terms of calories you guys don't eat, you guys don't eat anything it's amazing to me um i will finish with with this last quick one arlen how many hundred milers have you finished at this point now that you just got third at states oh wow so that it's boy i'm lucky i was i was flying home and my sister is like arlen how many hundreds have you run and I said, you know what? I forgot a few a few ago. I was keeping track, so we figured it up. And there was one time I ran a hundred miles non race. My race got canceled. Um, and then, if you would include that, so it was not a race, but it was a hundred miles. If you would include that as well as Desert Solstice, where I ran over a hundred miles, but it was not a hundred mile race, it would be fourteen, including Western states. That's huh. so that's amazing. Marianne, congrats on your very first hundred miler. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do before I do before I do fourteen. <laughs> I that's I going. that's crazy. On a side note, like like that, we're both here. We both placed third, and that this was your first hundred miler. I mean, similar to Adam Peterman. I mean, hats off to him. Yeah, like for this sure. this was the year I think where like craziness just defied the odds. Like that was really cool. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I like that. Craziness should always defy the odds. I'm super excited for both of you. Maybe I'll uh, have to go back and film again if I don't get in. Um, But seriously, I'm I'm proud of you guys. I'm super thankful to know both of you. And huge congrats on third place podium positions at the most competitive ultra, at least in the U.S., maybe in the world. So... Huge congrats. Have a great night. Thank you for taking so much of your time. Thank Thanks you for so us. much for having us on. Now is episode 208. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big shout out to all the show sponsors. Well, first of all, big thank you to Arlen and Marianne for taking so much of their time, sharing their experience. 
turned out to actually be very similar. I thought that was pretty, pretty fascinating. Thank you to the podcast sponsors, Exoskin, Tannery Outdoors, the John Wayne Cancer Foundation and their Grit Series. Shout out to you Patreon supporters. An episode-specific Knack Nutrition who supported making this film about Marianne Hogan's Western States. Big shout out to them. Thank you guys for checking out the podcast. We're going to have one or two more Western States recaps here. I'm having fun reliving that race from a bunch of different perspectives. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.